First Coast Connect with Melissa Ross is sponsored in part by Baptist Health. A new nonprofit is formed to help shape the future of Jacksonville's downtown riverfront. Good morning. We're live with you from Studio Two. I'm Melissa Ross, and this is First Coast Connect. Thanks for listening. Just ahead, we speak with the head of the new Riverfront Parks Conservancy. Give us a call at 549-2937. Then later, we'll check in on what's new this spring at the Players' Championship coming up soon. Tournament director Jared Rice will join us. That and more all ahead this hour. But first this morning, several parks and public facilities are already under design or construction along Jacksonville's downtown riverfront. Now, to help guide this development, there's a brand new entity in the city. It's the new Riverfront Parks Conservancy. This nonprofit is going to work with the city's parks department on developments that are already underway, including Riverfront Plaza Park. That's where the Jacksonville Landing used to be, along with Shipyards West Park, Friendship Fountain, and Metropolitan Park. All of the spaces along the water on both the south and north banks of the downtown St. John's River. And they couldn't have picked a better person to lead this. We're so pleased to welcome here in studio board chair and interim director of the Riverfront Parks Conservancy, Barbara Goodman. Good morning. Good morning, Melissa. So happy to be here. It's good to have you. And of course, many in town know that for many years you ran our national park in the city, uh, the Timucuan National Park. So uh, who better than you to do this? And give us a call as we talk about Riverfront Parks Conservancy, everybody. What are your questions for Barbara Goodman about this? 549-2937. Give us a call. Emails to firstcoastconnect at wjct.org. Tweets to at Melissa Injax. So what are the mission and the goals of the Riverfront Parks Conservancy? Well, we were formed to provide stewardship, activation, enjoyment, and ongoing improvement of the downtown Riverfront Parks. So that's our formal statement there. That's the mission statement. <laughs> yes. But as the uh, chair of this new entity, when you get up every morning and you're thinking about this, what are you thinking? What's in your head? What do you want this to achieve? What do you picture? Well, we picture a vibrant downtown uh, public space for all. And uh, we picture facilities and open space, and opportunities uh, to do a variety of things on all these acres that we have on the riverfront. And that's what everybody wants, of course. So how do we get there, and how will this organization get us there? Uh, Well, it's a big task. (laughs) We are working with um, the city, Jack's Parks, um, in partnership, and we are um, about to sign a Friends of the Park agreement that identifies that we will be the nonprofit group. You'll sign a, I'm sorry, you'll you'll sign a Friends of the Park agreement with the city of Jacksonville. With the city of Jacksonville. Okay. uh, To um, identify the work that we'll be doing to support them in their uh, responsibilities for the public spaces. Okay, and once you sign that, then what happens? Well, we're already moving forward, and um, we are looking at um, both the uh, design processes that are going on for the various parks right now Uh, as well as the activation efforts that are going on. Uh, We have actually uh, received a grant to help with uh, activation. Mm -hmm. And so we're moving forward with um, getting uh, a consultant to help us with that. And we will be supporting just in any way that we can as the parks come online. Why do we need this organization, given that there are already a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to this? We do have a lot of interest in Jacksonville and a lot of organizations uh, that are have been formed around all the different efforts going on downtown. And uh, But what we found 
when uh, the DuPont Fund uh, conducted the activation study, Riverfront Parks now, as part of that study, did a benchmarking study, looking at what are other cities doing that are similarly sized and with a river. Mm -hmm. And um, what was found was that all of these areas that were successful, uh, we talk about Memphis and Tampa Bay and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the High Line in New York, the River, uh, oh, I'm saying ours, <laughs> um, a variety of places, uh, Central Park Conservancy, that um, have made these cities successful in what we are trying to accomplish. So clearly we had a gap there. Mm. And um, we hear all the time questions about, well, how are we going to maintain uh, that sort of thing? And all these other cities, uh, the conservancies have filled in that gap. Filled that gap. Okay. When I look at the waterfront on both ends, both sides of the river, the big problem that I hear about all the time is the walkway needs to go all the way. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to walk the river in its entirety on both sides, on the South Bank and the North Bank. How important is that to your organization and what will you do on that front? Well, that is very important. And the river walk is considered a park and it will be um, a park that we will be focusing on as well. So fortunately, uh, the city has set aside uh, funding for extending the river walk and um, all new development that's going on is being required to make a 50-foot um, offset so the river walk can continue in front of all of the new development mm-hmm. that is not public space. So we're supporting that, and we'll you know, keep watch. <laughs> we'll go to your calls for Barbara Goodman, the new interim director of the new organization, the Riverfront Parks Conservancy, in a moment. Five four nine two nine three seven. What would you like to see done downtown on the waterfront? So the conservancy will begin with a focus on Friendship Park, also called St. John's River Park, with a scheduled phase one opening this year. This is what people typically think of as Friendship Fountain on the South Bank. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of people just know it as Friendship Park. Okay. So how is it going to change? So uh, the city has done design work. Uh, They've upgraded the fountain itself and created some light and music programs for the fountain. So we will see those uh, programs come online this year. Uh, There are also plans for a playground um, concession, a a garden, Mm -hmm. some other things in the area uh, that will be later phases. Now, you just mentioned that Jacksonville was recently named as a Highline Network member. Can you explain what that is and why that's cool? Yeah, it is cool. So the High Line in New York is a very successful example of infrastructure reuse. Yeah, they took an old uh, elevated train line and made it into a garden. Yes, yes. And so uh, there were so many people that were interested in what they did and how they got there that they developed what's called the High Line Network. And uh, it is open to nonprofit organizations only. And we were just uh, named as new members, um, also the Emerald Trail. Mm -hmm. And the Conservancy is partnering with the DuPont Fund on our membership. And this is going to give us and already has given us access to an incredible library of resources, toolkits, other organizations. We won't need to reinvent the wheel. We'll be able to look to all the other members for uh, what they did, what they learned, and that will give us a jump start. Just sharing ideas. Yeah. All right, let's go to your calls. What would you like to see along the Jacksonville Riverfront? 
Our guest this morning is Barbara Goodman, new interim chair of a new organization, the Riverfront Parks Conservancy, 5492937. Jay is driving along I-95. Hi, Jay. Go ahead. Hi. This is Terry Wood, actually. Oh, okay. They told me your name was Jay. I don't know how they got that, but go ahead. <laughs> it can happen. The mayor is going to be leaving office at the end of June, and you'll have a new one in, Jan in uh, July 1st. If you look at all of those projects you were talking about, the uh, on the river, we had the landing, we've had the uh, river walks, we've had, like you were saying, it goes all the way back to pre-consolidation with the fountain. But every time the mayor changes, the priorities change. And have you all taken into account uh, those difference? I, you know, when Jake was in, we had the billion-dollar uh, decade. Tommy came in, changed the people mover, changed everything else. Uh, the next mayor comes in and goes to a different set of priorities. How are you going? Have you built in a decision and project uh, system that will overcome that? That's been Jacksonville's problem since consolidation. Absolutely. All yeah, it's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's a very good point. So what about that? How are you going to fight that? Well, so that is um, a concern, of course, anytime there's a change in administration. One of the positives that we have going is that there is funding in the CIP plan, which designates money and priorities over uh, uh, several years. So money for, to support these projects are already in the pipeline. Now, that doesn't mean that changes can't be made to it. But once it's in there, it's much uh, more likely that it will carry on. Mm -hmm. And we're also reaching out to the candidates uh, because this is not a, you know, a one candidate uh, issue. This is something we hope whoever is elected will understand uh, that Jacksonville really wants this to happen. And mm -hmm. so we will be speaking with all of the candidates. I think that's obvious given that there was a meeting uh, that was actually scheduled to happen here at WJCT recently. Right. And so many people wanted to attend that they had to move it, I think, over to the main library because hundreds of people came out to Correct. give voice to the desire to, to get some movement going on all of yes. this. Yes, there, there were um, 300 people in attendance mm -hmm. and over 100 online. Uh, we had some difficulty with the online um, portion, but there um, are we re-recorded some of the things that got missed, so that is available for people to listen to. But it was very successful. We couldn't believe, and we were so excited at how much interest yeah. there is out there. Five four nine two nine three seven. Mike in Atlantic Beach. Hello, Mike. Hi. Good morning. How are you? All right. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. So I'm just wondering if there's any plan for expanding or adding some kind of uh, transient dockage for just recreational boaters on the South Bank specifically, because I'm not aware of any place you can really come and tie up anywhere along the Riverwalk on the South Bank. The only places to tie up right now are restricted to the water taxis. And now that you've lost uh, River City Brewing and that's gone, um, if you wanted to go down to visit like uh, any of the restaurants on the South Bank area, there's really no place for a, a you know recreational boater to come tie up at. Yeah, that's been a complaint as well. Is that part of your portfolio to look at that? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, specifically, uh, the public marina that was in front of River City Brewing is going to be rebuilt. Uh, that's a few years away. So unfortunately, right now, uh, the caller's correct. There isn't an opportunity, but at least that that's not an idea that was thrown out. It's still part of the planning to have that be rebuilt. Okay. Uh, so, you know, uh, what do you do to, to, to tell people, look, something good is actually going to happen here. I think on the one hand, there's enthusiasm that so many projects are in the pipeline. And then on the other hand, there's a lot of cynicism People have seen a lot of great ideas and mm -hmm. initiatives come and go with not a lot of 
tangible results. What do you say to those doubters? Well, uh, I understand their concerns. We have indeed seen things, uh, great ideas uh, come and, and go. We plan to continue to reach out to the community and be a funnel for uh, ideas of what people want to see on their riverfront uh, so we can share those with uh, the developers and the city uh, to make sure that we incorporate those ideas and um, just the programming, mm -hmm. the activation of these areas. And activation uh, programming needs to have facilities but then there's the pop-up things that are going on now, and that's great. But we also need to be designing into the plans, the facilities that are needed to support activities, which will keep this going. Okay. And uh, can you talk a little bit about how you're going to factor in dealing with flooding and climate change issues in your planning? What about that? Yes. So um, we are a support organization and we are not the planners. So that is something that we can um, hope to keep the discussion of those needs alive. Uh, but that really is not in our um, purview to actively do anything about it other than try and keep the issues alive, which are very important, and um, try and influence in that direction. Now, when it comes to boats, Alan tweets the show, there are public docks for boats in front of the Chart House, the Fountain, and the Doubletree Hotel. I used them just last week, he said, to answer the caller from a minute ago. Uh, we'll go to a few more calls in a bit at 549 Chris on Facebook says, there are so many cities that have wonderful river walks. I hope they get some useful and doable ideas. And that's where the Highline Network comes in, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, the Highline Network will be a great influence on those ideas. And also all the other cities that we investigated during the benchmarking study um, that we can look at and see the kinds of things other people are doing. We don't have to reinvent this. 549-2937. Let us know your ideas and questions. Peggy in Arlington. Hello, Peggy. Good morning. Good morning. I'm sorry if I missed it. I turned in a bit late. Um, have you all considered parking situation when you're planning these parks? Okay. Parking. Always a, always a question. Yes. Parking is a huge issue in downtown, as everybody knows. We are interested in seeing parking not directly on the public areas that we hope to see turned into parks. Mm -hmm. um, we are looking at other kinds of transportation that would perhaps bring people from other parts of downtown, other places where you can park, uh, and um, be able to come and be dropped off. Like, like what? Well, okay, so for example, the beaches have a trolley, for lack of <laughs> another word for it, that during the summer picks up, just goes up and down. Um, picking people up and taking them to other areas along our coast. Uh -huh. So perhaps we could have something like that that would make loops in the city. Would um, There's other connections that will happen with the Emerald Trail. Uh, perhaps yeah. we can design things where there can be a spot that people can park. And walk or bike. And walk or bike. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And for people who don't know about this, the Emerald Trail is another really exciting project. It's a green belt that's going to uh, be a beltway all around the city's urban core neighborhoods uh, where you'll be able to walk or bike or rollerblade if you want throughout many, many neighborhoods in a big green loop. It, it will be an active park, too, with lots of uh, plants and, and greenery. How are you going to work with the Emerald Trail to connect all of this together? Well, there are four points where the Emerald Trail will connect with the Riverwalk. And so we are working with the Emerald Trail, uh, the groundwork Jacksonville 
mm-hmm. to um, identify those intersect those well the intersections are identified but identified how we will intersect what's happening on the Riverwalk with the Emerald Trail so that it'll be you know, seamless seamless. Mm-hmm. You know, as I mentioned, you spent over three decades in leadership with the National Park Service, and you spent 18 years as superintendent of our National Park in Jacksonville, the Timucuan Ecological and Historic Preserve. So you've spent your entire career promoting parks and green space. What do you love about parks? Well, I have to say it's in my blood. You know, I read excuse me, retired back in 2015. And um, I just keep getting pulled back in. Like Al Pacino? (laughs) (laughs) I care so much uh, about these spaces, both for the protection of the resources, but also the value, an inherent value that I believe in of uh, how positive it is, and healthy it is for people to get out Mm -hmm. in green space and, you know, just even looking at the river. It's, uh, yeah. Important. We are so lucky here at WJCT to be on the, on the water. And sometimes people that work here and I'm one of them, we'll, we'll go out and just take a little walk. Uh, now the river walk, as I mentioned, does not go all the way from our building over to say the Riverside arts market. That would be the ideal, of course. It would go the entire distance. But there's a bit of space out by our building where you can go and walk and enjoy the beauty of the water and the outdoors. And the idea is to make it more accessible and more beautiful, right? Exactly. And uh, so there is also a uh, design process going on for Metropolitan Park. Mm -hmm. uh, So we can um, bring some upgrades to the park. And it will include finishing out the river walk so you will be able to walk from here um, and, and make access to the river walk and so that you know that's an exciting part of it five four nine two nine three seven Kaima in is it White House Florida good morning Kaima yeah hey go ahead hi how you doing all right I was wondering have anybody considered transportation? This is the largest city in the continental United States, and we have sorry transportation. Even people who come here, you know, to, to rent little apartments and little houses just for a two-week or something, they need to be able to get around. And, and we don't have any transportation to take them to the beach, to take them to downtown, to take them wherever they need to go. So that's what I'd like to ask if uh, yeah. anybody has thought about that. Yeah, I mean... You know, like a lot of southern cities, we don't have a robust public transportation network. We have buses. And there are plans to start these autonomous vehicles that will be connected to the downtown Jacksonville Skyway, although that's been controversial as well. Uh, But this is also an an issue that uh, I know you're looking at. But as you move this forward, uh, I know a lot of people might be listening and didn't call in but they might have follow-up questions for you. So how can people get in touch with the Riverfront Parks Conservancy? Well, we have a new website. Uh, I'll just remind everyone we are a very new organization. Uh, so the the website is still partly under construction, but you will find some information there. It's riverparkjacks.org, and that's jacks as in J-A-X. Mm-hmm. So riverparkjacks.org. And there is an opportunity to uh, sign up for our newsletter and to uh, make comment on um, anything you'd like us to know about. And as we further develop the website, we will actually have a button where it'll say, you know, comment here. Okay. They're brand new, but check them out at riverparkjacks.org headed up by board chair and interim director, Barbara Goodman. Good to see you, and thanks. Thank you. Well, much more still ahead. Later in the hour, we'll check in on the Players' Championship coming up soon and some other good news for your week. But up next. Wanted to create a brand that would better kind of reflect where we're all at in our careers and, and who we are as people. And each is every came directly from our mission statement at Babes to Hustle. A popular local company rebrands for a new era. We'll be 
right back. Well, the Jacksonville company Babes Who Hustle is rebranding this year, turning the page on hustle culture, they say. Their new name, Each Is Every, is already attracting new memberships for a new era post-pandemic. I spoke with the company's CEO, Chelsea dudevoir Carreccia. Hey, Chelsea, good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So Babes Who Hustle was founded in 2016, with Jacksonville roots, you grew a lot, but now you're starting a new chapter. Each is every. Tell us about this change. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of a backstory, like you said, started in 2016, um, working my first entry-level job, but kind of wanted to figure out what career options were out there for me. So I used kind of my skill set that I had at the time in copywriting, social media, PR, and created Babes Do Hustle, which was really just a blog that um, was intended to put the spotlight on some women that I looked up to in my circles and in my life and um, quickly kind of grew into more than that. So we garnered a pretty quick audience. Uh, I attribute a ton of that to the Jacksonville community, Um, really invested in it and helped get it off the ground um, through not just the publication, but events and pop-ups and panels and workshops and um, kind of took off from there. And then over the past couple of years, obviously 2020 um, kind of forced everyone to do a little bit of soul searching and really had me kind of rethinking my priorities and just what I wanted, you know, things to look like for me. And one of those things was that I just started to feel a little bit disconnected from the brand, um, not so much the community or what we were doing or the or the work, but kind of the name, the branding. Um, I started it in, you know, when I was in my early 20s and the name Babe and Hustle and and things like that were, you know, big buzzwords at the time. But Mm -hmm. now we're all a little bit older and wiser and (laughs) Mm. um, just uh, wanted to create a brand that would better kind of reflect where we're all at in in our careers and and who we are as people. And um, so took a little bit of time, but each is every uh, came directly from our mission statement at Babes to Hustle, which is each woman's progress is every woman's progress. Um, and yeah, launched about two weeks ago after a little bit of a, a kind of a pause in, in between both brands to just kind of really make sure that what we were doing was going to be um, resourceful and um, impactful. And yeah, yeah. Uh, they, or sorry, each is every is um, kind of everything that that Babe Sue Hustle was, but just like I said, mm-hmm. a little bit more elevated. And with the new rebrand, um, we launched a new program, which is called the membership. Um, through the membership, our community just has a little bit more of a um, direct access a direct line of access to connect with one another through things like our black workspace that has about 35 channels um master classes which people can uh you know watch live on zoom and then rewatch later and those are led by a bunch of industry experts in our community and then members only content so mm-hmm. we're still doing everything that we were doing with with babes to hustle but just now it's a little bit more um community focused i would say and this is a global community, it looks like. Uh, you've got a Slack channel, as you said, that anyone can jump on from anywhere. Uh, you've, you've built this really interesting network, and it's for women and non-binary individuals, we should say. Um, yep. so what So what's it like to be a female founder and CEO as you've worked through the pandemic, and now you're rebranding and adapting to a changing culture? 
Yeah, it's been a journey. Um, and like I said, in, in 2020, I really almost threw in the towel with it just because there is so much going on and kind of put me, you know, in the perspective of like, is what we're doing important? Does it matter? Is it, is it beneficial? And, and is it, is it genuinely valuable? Um, and I did a lot of talking with people in our community and on our team and polling, um, community members. We pulled about 200 people over the past couple of years. And what we found is that people are still incredibly hungry for genuine connection and, and genuine community, especially when it comes to their career and finding resources and, and getting advice and things like that. So um, we worked and, you know, kind of came up with this space through each of every that is a little bit more accessible and inclusive and and safe for people to kind of build relationships but as far as being a CEO and founder um yeah like I said almost threw in the towel just because I was kind of in in between brands and wanted to make sure that if we were to move forward and kind of reimagine what we were doing that it was going to be worth it (laughs) um and so I took some time and um, when I kind of came up with each of every and, and the, the branding behind it and also the kind of programming, it all really just clicked and, um, our community's really, really taken well to it already. And it's just been a couple of weeks. So I'm feeling really good about it. And people can learn more at the rebranded website, each is every.com and they can That's join, it. right? Yep. So open to, like you said, women and non-binary people, um, we have had over the past couple of weeks uh, about 70 people join, which is awesome. Uh, we've got people in, I think, 15 states, uh, almost 30 cities. So it's been it's been really cool. But like I said, Jacksonville was really um, is where we have roots and is where a ton of our readership is, a ton of our team is, um, a lot of our advisory board is. So I owe so much to Jacksonville. Um, I will also add that. We are currently, through the month of February, um, taking scholarship nominations. So we're going to be giving five scholarships um, for the year for people to join. And that is just a quick nomination form that anyone can fill out just to uh, nominate a friend, a colleague, or even themselves. Check that out uh, at eachiseveri.com. And congrats. Thanks for joining us. She's founder and CEO, Chelsea dudevoir Correcia. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, the 2023 Players' Championship is just around the corner. It's set for March 9th through the 12th at TPC Sawgrass. With more on what's new, we're pleased to check in with Tournament Director Jared Rice. He's on the phone. Hey, Jared, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. So what's new this year out at the Players? Oh, we've got we've got a long list. Uh, don't know how long of a segment we have here, but I'll try Oh, we to got time. Go for it. Point. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it, it, it's really um, a special year for us in a, in a number of ways. Um, you know, one, when you look at just from a competition perspective, uh, the changes in our sport and where the Players' Championship sits among the entire you know, PGA Tour ecosystem. Um, and, you know, the, the, the least of that is um, – competitively having the highest purse and that really does tie back to having the best field of players and it's uh, the toughest event to win on tour so those are all mm-hmm. cool competitive things that um you know i think sometimes might be might be lost on on us that are here in the sport and here in town and uh see, see a lot of golf but um so the competition is going to be great um we have a couple of new things uh we did build out a, a new fan area uh, behind the eighth green and to the right of the ninth tee box. And you may think, okay, well, yeah, what's, why? Um, well, we have uh, we have pulled back our nine tee box, which is going to make uh, that shot a much more challenging shot for the world's best players. And 
Um, that area is in close proximity to number 17, which you know probably everyone's heard of and can can have a you know can be crowded at times. So mm-hmm. this area is going to be a, a great spot. Um, we have our partners at Tito's uh, bringing in their Stillhouse Lounge, which is open to the public, and we've paired them with uh, ABBQ. So really neat uh, position on the course to uh, get some good food and drinks and watch the best players come through there. And I think real quickly, as you as you look at the overall property, you'll certainly see a a, a grander stage. So um, we have now double-decker hospitality that's two floors uh, left of 16 all the way around 17, which is really our, our amphitheater um, and this critical point in the competition. So between you know, those superstructures and, and fans on site, the, the energy is going to be pretty incredible. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely the place to be come uh, March 9th through 12th. For sure. Now, uh, your charity partners are such a big part of what you do every year. Do you want to give them a quick shout out? You know, we did, it's, it's a great question. We do, um, we, we provide uh, benefits to almost 300 charities locally. So um, that's going to test my memory a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what, what's, um, what's, again, I think when you think being, you know, a local fan and um, steward here in the community, um, what makes the PGA Tour so special and different, and especially come Players Week, is um, we have, again, the world's best golfers, and they are incredible athletes. They come out and they play in front of fans of every type, um, whether you're out here socially or uh, trying to do business or not from Northeast Florida, of which almost 50% of our corporate attendees will, will be from out of market, um, and come out and have this awesome time. And as a result of that, we're able to provide some really significant charitable impact uh, back to Northeast Florida. So since since our inception, we've uh, provided over $120 million of charitable impact uh, here to the community. So I think just the idea of um, it's a great thing that we have our biggest event from a profile and, and uh, you know, uh, broadcast distribution perspective. We come out and have a great time and we can change some lives and we do it. It's a, it's a pretty powerful thing. Hey, uh, Jared, who's the entertainment this year? Who's the big headliner? So Tuesday, uh, another good question. So Tuesday is Military Appreciation Day. That's on March 7th. And that's really our kickoff to the week. And um, military is such a big part of of Northeast Florida. There's five military installations within a uh, a two-hour drive time of of, uh, TPC Sawgrass. And... um, NAS Jacks at uh, either NAS Jacks or Mayport. I can mix up sometimes. Is the most requested final deployment destination of the U.S. Navy. So we have a great community here, and um, you know the military is really deserving of our uh, appreciation. So we have a great day planned on on Tuesday. It starts about 4:30. Uh, flyover. Uh, we're going to do an enlistment ceremony, which will be a lot of fun. We have a couple of uh, brief uh, key speakers, and then um, Riley Green, who is CMA's uh, best new artist. Uh, is gonna is gonna play a show for about an hour uh, to close out the night, and then um, you know that's the official start of uh, Championship Week. That's exciting. Now, people always have this question for you as well: uh, the best way to get to the players, and anything new people need to know about when it comes to the shuttles that you have set up, and uh, how to avoid the the worst traffic snarls. What can you tell us? <laughs> Um, well, I, I can assure the listeners that if you intend to come on Friday or and Saturday, um, you know, being on the road between 11:30 and 1:30, there are going to be a lot of people. Uh, so, as we think about getting back to routines, because 20 and 21 and 22 have certainly had some challenges for us operationally. Think about routine traditions. Um, maybe leave a little bit earlier. Um, so. Again, make your plans well in advance, and it looks as though people are uh, hearing that message and that our parking passes are, are going pretty quickly. Uh, we do have a dedicated rideshare entrance, uh, so that's very convenient, and you know, Lyft and Uber are um, you know, up to you know, more normal operational uh, volumes of late, which is great. We also have shuttles that uh, from three stops uh, in the Nocatee community, so you're able to use those for free. And we have, uh, we're working with the city of Jacksonville for a downtown shuttle that uh, we'll have a few of those that um, we've improved some, uh, get some logistics to make mm-hmm. 
getting uh, back and forth from downtown a little easier. So go to theplayers.com, click on transportation, and you'll see a host of um, ways to get to the tournament and um, make it as easy as possible for you. Check that out. Now, last year there were a couple of days of bad weather, and that forced uh, the tournament into the weekend last March. Let's hope for sunny skies every day this this time, right? <laughs> we, we, we will take that. And, um, you know, just again, for your listeners in the community, I think it's incredible how resilient um, everyone has been and was through that, you know, what was described to me by a local meteorologist as a hundred year storm. So uh, we checked that box. That's great. Um, but all kidding aside, we, just, we didn't make the cut until Sunday afternoon. And just think about that from a hotelier perspective. Very challenging. Um, and you know, there's a, a ton of knock on effects to that, but, uh, it was an awesome Monday finish. Um, our volunteers who had to go through a lot, uh, given those weather conditions, um, came back and we were fully staffed from a volunteer perspective by the second week of January. Uh, it's just amazing, um, that our, our volunteers are, are again, so resilient. And I think for fans, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to hope for, for some sunny days and, and know that um, we've got the odds are in our favor in light of what we went through last year. That's right. Well, uh, have a great time, and thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time in this busy season for you. Jared Rice, he's director of the Players' Championship, coming up March 9th through the 12th, out at TPC Sawgrass, theplayers.com. For more, Jared, thank you. Thank you. See you soon. And guess what, folks? Yes, we have a pair of tickets to give away for Tuesday, March 7th at The Players. Want to enter? It's easy. Just email us right now at firstcoastconnect at wjct.org and put The Players in the subject line. We're going to pick one winner at random. So email us now and get a pair of tickets to Tuesday at The Players Championship. Email's already coming in. I know, it's popular. You see all your friends. People you haven't seen all year. First Coast Connect at WJCT.org to enter to win a pair of tickets. In a moment, the new book Guitar Greats of Jacksonville tells the story of all of the guitar legends of the 904. We'll find out more from author Michael Ray Fitzgerald and some other good news for your week. It's Wednesday. Keep listening. We'll be right back. Teach is more than just professional development. Teach is camaraderie. Teach is inspiration. Teach is respect. Teach is fun. Teach reminds you of why you became a teacher. Join us for Teach on Saturday, February 25th at the Hyatt Regency Riverfront Jacksonville. Tickets are just $45 and can be purchased at wjct.org teach. Hi, Marco Werman. All this week, the world is in Ukraine. How can war be here in the modern country? Putin is the aggressor. 
Joe Biden support Ukraine, and it's important for us. We're hearing from Ukrainians who say they remain united and determined to expel Russia from their country. Their stories and the news on the world. This afternoon at 3, here on WJCT News 89.9. I'm Peter O'Dowd. More than a century ago, a canal carrying Colorado River water spilled its banks and created an oasis in the desert known as the Salton Sea. Today, it's drying up. With the Colorado River crisis, Salton Sea is going to recede at an even much faster pace. This is going to be a nightmare. A visit to California's largest lake next time on Here and Now. Today at 2 on WJCT News 89.9. More and more hospitals are using AI to help analyze and collect images and scans. For health professionals, the medical applications seem endless. And in some cases, some of the most accurate early diagnoses are being made by machines, not humans. Our guide to AI looks at the impact of artificial intelligence on our health and those trained to keep us healthy. Today, starting at 10 on WJCT News 89.9. Welcome back. Well, in his new book, Guitar Greats of Jacksonville, author Michael Ray Fitzgerald tells the story of all of the guitar legends of the 904, everyone from Dickie Betts to Derek Trucks. He told us more about it. The reason why I wrote this book, Guitar Greats of Jacksonville, was because I knew there would be a solid audience for it, not only in Jacksonville, but in the South in general, and even worldwide. For one thing, half the people... Half the players in Southern Rock are from Jacksonville, were from Jacksonville. It's pretty amazing the number of famous guitar players from Jacksonville. We're talking about Dickie Betts, Dwayne Allman, Dave Lubeck, Jeff Carlisi, Alan Collins, Gary Rossington, Ed King lived here, Steve Gaines lived here, Wes Borland from Limp Biscuit. The list goes on and on and winds up with Derek Trucks, who is probably the king of them all. So check it out. The new book, Guitar Greats of Jacksonville, comes out next Monday, February 27th. Pick up a copy. Speaking of music, the city, in partnership with Downtown Vision, Inc., have announced the return of Jack's River Jams, presented by Star Credit Union. Now, this is a free four-week and multi-genre concert series that will be held every Thursday night in April at Riverfront Plaza in downtown Jack's. This year's lineup features everyone from Shaggy to Cold War Kids, Group Love to Chris Lane. Check it out. Free concerts every Thursday night in April at the Riverfront. How about this? The first Jackson Mag walking tour of the year is coming up this Saturday. And in honor of Black History Month, they're exploring the history and future plans for La Villa, one of the city's oldest and most historic neighborhoods. Now, the Jackson walking tours are really popular, so Register now for this weekend's. Go to thejacksonmag.com and do it. Also, mark your calendar for the 12th annual Mukti Freedom Gala. That benefits Rethreaded. Now, Mukti means freedom in Bengali, and it's Rethreaded's largest annual fundraiser. Turn out for a fabulous night of champagne, hors d'oeuvres, open bar, seated dinner, shopping, silent and live auctions, entertainment and dancing, and a meaningful story. Rethreaded's mission is to harness the power of business, time, and community to create choice for hundreds of survivors of human trafficking. More at rethreaded.com. Here's another nonprofit we absolutely love, Yoga for Change. They're celebrating nine years of community impact with a virtual bingo party coming up March 1st. Now, this event will honor the nonprofit's ninth year helping veterans, young people, incarcerated people, and others living with mental health conditions. First founded in 2014 here in Jacksonville, Yoga for Change has expanded to other cities, including Tampa Bay, Central, and South Florida. Data is collected before and after each class to measure the impact the yoga sessions have on the participants' mental and physical well-being. Yoga for Change teaches positive and healthy coping skills using a yoga curriculum. They provided nearly 20,000 people last year with mood, stress, and pain relief. More at their website, and try to support them if you can. We're going to close now with a little music from Group Love, one of the acts coming to 
Jack's River Jams this spring. Again, that's a free concert series every Thursday night in April on the riverfront. And if you have a little tasty item you'd like us to add to our weekly Wednesday menu of good stuff, drop us a line at First Coast Connect at WJCT.org. Let us know what's going on in your little corner of the 904. And thanks for listening. Thanks also to David Luckin, Heather Schatz, Brendan Rivers, Isabella De Silva, Bridget O'Brien, and the entire WJCT News team. I'm Melissa Ross. This is WJCT News, 89.9 Jacksonville. Enjoy a little group love and make it a great Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow morning. Support for First Coast Connect is provided by Baptist Health and the North Florida TPO.